Welcome to the Film Look podcast, where we break down films, learn from the pros, and try to become better filmmakers along the way. My name's Richard Scott, and I'm joined by Robert Carr and Christian Foreman. What's up, guys? Hello, hello, hello. Hello. How you doing? So you guys have got the facts this week, so we're going to initiate what the fact. You guys are going to give me a fact each, and I'm going to determine who the winner is. Uh, K-Dog has been losing pretty much all of them, so I'm going to give it to K-Dog. Actually, you know what? I'm going to give it to Rob first. Oh. Rob, you right. go. Okay, um, have you seen the film Titanic? Never heard of it. Never heard of it. That's not the fact, by the way. Um, it's um, pronounced Titanic. <laughs> um, well, if you add all together all uh, the scenes that are in 1912, because some of it's set in the future, uh, if you add all of those scenes together, they add up to two hours and 40 minutes, which is the exact amount of time that it took the Titanic to sink. That's, no way. That's my Do you fact. think that was deliberate? Probably, yeah, because the film's like three hours, 14 minutes. So two hours, 40 is just when they're in 1912. Um, I honestly can't remember. I thought we're not with that old woman that long, really, are But uh, yeah, apparently it's two hours and 40 minutes and that's how long it took to sink. All right. All right. That's a good fact. I'm gonna change, I like that. It's a clean fact. I'm going to change my fact this week to a Titanic fact to keep on on, uh, on brand. Titanic. Oh, right. Titanic. Titanic. Yeah, the, my fact is it's actually pronounced Titanic. No, it's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, my fact is that the movie cost more uh, than to to make than it, the Titanic cost to build. That is a good. So fact. the movie oh, cost two. The t- movie cost two hundred million dollars to make. And the Titanic itself only cost, you know, um, taking inflation into account, only cost 150 million to make. Um, I've heard that fact before. It's a good one, though. But yeah. saying that, this what the fact isn't about facts you've heard or facts you haven't. It's about the winner, isn't it? All right, I'll, I think I'll have to give it to K Dog. K Dog's the winner this nah, week. Nah, that's a. Can I just add Not because Rob's facts bad, but because that one about, you know. That kid I just said. I mean, it's I've got a, a fact, I've got another it? fact about Titanic. No, you can't. No, you've already lost, Rob. Sorry. No, but this is a really good fact. <laughs> this guy. Uh, in... You know what? For that cheek, you go on. Rob. <laughs> there's, a, there's a guy in China that's building a full-scale replica replica that will actually seal. I think it was meant to be this year, but obviously that's not going to probably happen in 2020. Um, full scale and the inside. Is that looks... not a good thing? Yeah, uh, but it might crash. Well. It'd be funny. If, it wouldn't be funny, but it would be uh, funny Whoa. if it did. Right, dogs two nil on the But yeah, he's, he's, he's like building a full scale replica, and the inside looks exactly like the Titanic. Hopefully, with updated engines and uh, navigation system um, instead graphics. instead of just some binoculars. Uh, well, let's you know. hope we get a sequel. Yeah, but no, it's just it's just <laughs> his Titanic two. It's his project. Like it's going to be a private like. Um, like, is it uh, one guy working on it well yeah it's a few probably but yeah there's the fact which I lost so <laughs> <laughs> we're not talking about Titanic today are though <laughs> no I'll tell you what we are going to talk about uh, who suggested it would have been Rob you would have suggested this film wouldn't you yeah probably because it's and that class. is the film from 1997 I was five years old when this came out oh really uh, Goodwill Hunting. Mm. 
Goodwill Hunting is a 1997 Oscar-winning drama starring Robin Williams, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Minnie Driver, and Stellan Starsgard. It was written by Affleck and Damon and follows a 20-year-old South Boston janitor called Will Hunting, an unrecognized genius who becomes a client of a therapist and studies advanced mathematics with a renowned professor. Through his therapy sessions, Will re-evaluates his relationships with his best friend, his girlfriend, himself, facing the significant task of confronting his past thinking about his future. So yeah, this was released in 1997 and it cleaned up this year, that year. And um, it made $10 million on its opening weekend and eventually grossed $225 million. And it was nominated for nine Oscars and famously won Affleck and Damon best script of that year, wasn't it? Best original screenplay and kind of launched their careers. Uh, Rob, you chose this film. Mm -hmm. yes. Give us a little um, reason why you did that? Well, I've seen this film about, I would say, six, seven, eight times, something like that, and I don't know why, I just always come back to it. Um, but when I watched it last night for this podcast, I, I thought, you know what, I'll sit down since I've seen it uh, quite a few times and try and analyse it and, you know, put me filmmaking head on um, and try and talk about some of the things that we're going to talk about. And you know what, like 10, 15 minutes into it, I forgot about all that and I just watched it and enjoyed it again and was entertained again. And the, but the thing I really, really like about this film is the dialogue. I think it's, there's a lot of it, but some of the scenes are just still so powerful. Um, and some of the iconic scenes within film, I think. Rich. Yeah. I've seen this film before. Uh, I really liked it, but I'll tell you something. Right. Got Ooh, me cool. notes here. Made chronological notes. And I was really worried when this film first switched on. Because I remember really liking it the first time. And then the old school opening credit sequence comes on. Oh, yeah. And it's just loads of boring crap with names. So I know I was skipping ahead right at the end here, but that's something I would change. And then another thing I would change, ooh, Weinstein gets a credit. That's not so good. Yeah. And then there's very, like, 90s, like, super 90s Danny Elfman music. I was thinking, have I put the right film on here? Uh, and then within, like, 15 minutes, I was like, oh, yes, we get this, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, it's definitely kind of, like, got that age to it, I think. Obviously, it was 1997. And like you said, with the opening credits and everything, um, yeah, and it's it, it's like the uh, periscope. Um, is that is that the right word? Yeah, the kaleidoscope. Kaleidoscope. That's it. But he, it does actually go back to that when he's talking about uh, the father that beat him later on. So I was like, all right, that's it's yeah. there. Um, but yeah, it is a bit. It starts off like that, and you're like, what? It's what's very, going it's on? It's very nineties film. Yeah, yeah very nineties opening. Yeah. Well, I, I like this. I, I've seen this film before, and it's always in people's like top ten films. And I think it's a great script. I think it's really funny, really, you know, heartfelt and emotional at times. You know, I, te I tear up on a couple of the scenes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I watched this with with the objective of analysing it. And for the first time, I noticed a lot of flaws in this film. Okay, so that's cool. I've I've taken it upon myself to be really nitpicky mm -hmm. and just focus on the things that bugged me this time because I assumed that both of you would really like it. Mm -hmm. So throughout this podcast, I'm just going to be pouring loads of scorn yeah, on I, this film like, as I, you praise it. I try to try to do that, but like I just I just fell into it and start watching it again. Like every film that we watch, it goes in my top ten, and this is definitely uh, <laughs> it's definitely in my top ten. <laughs> most of my Rob's, most of Rob's my problems are with, with ninety films. In. <laughs> 
Aye, that's in me top ten. Yeah, it's in <laughs> definitely. I was gonna say most of my problems with it are with the writing, so I oh. think we'll be probably talking about that first. Okay. Um. I had so, a, there was a couple of scenes in it that I was like, oh, that's a bit. Like, these are things I would probably change with it, but maybe it's just a a, a thing of its time more than anything else. Yeah, probably. Well, should we just start then? Or should we start with the writing and the story and the character development? Yeah. Okay, dog. You said you had some issues with it, so let's go to Rob first and get the positives out of the way. Okay. Um. Yeah. So what I like about this, it's it's kind of a story that um it's it's a weird story, isn't it? Because it's like this genius kid who is a bit of a wrong and um and he's he's just cleverer than anyone else. But it's kind of like the reason he gets into trouble is because he's just bored he's so smart compared to everyone else that it, it there's no it doesn't get it, what's the word st- stimulus stimulated he's, he's stimulated by anything so he gets into this trouble and obviously we find out that he's from a really bad background and he doesn't trust anyone and i think that's like we we know something's not right about him and then through the therapy se- sessions like we find out a little bit more and a little bit more and he really opens up about that and i think that's quite natural i, I quite like that um I like that it doesn't feel forced. Um, I, Robin, Robin Williams is in this, and to be honest, he's one of my favourite actors of all time. Um, Mrs. Doubtfire is like my favourite film. Is his? I think we should do that on the podcast sometime because uh, I think that's it's Mrs. Doubtfire. It's a bit wacky, but even so, it's it's quite a good drama comedy. Um, Maybe we could do like a Robin Williams uh, <laughs> month or something. Yeah, I'll be happily do that. Um, all of his films. Yeah, and. I think what I liked about this in the story, like all of the other characters really compliment him. Um, and you see like both sides of like higher education and these kind of posh people, but then from the other side and they're not too far away from each other. These people from the South side of Boston as they keep seeing, uh, and the all wrong ones, um, like K doc said, like there's some scenes in here, which are like so powerful in terms of the dialogue. Um, I wouldn't say watch this on I watched this yesterday and that was Valentine's Day and I don't think it's a Valentine's Day film um, but oh man yeah definitely uh, not <laughs> I mean he, he does run away and get the girl but it's a, it's a romantic comedy essentially this film um, yeah it, it's, it's got all the elements of a romantic comedy doesn't it but it doesn't really feel like one no but it, um, uh, but yeah, one. so I've, I've always gone back to this in, in terms of the story. I, I just like how it plays out, and then in the end, spoiler, he just does what he wants. He just you know, and he takes Robin Williams's advice. Uh, and that line, um, he's a fact for you when he says, um, he, "Where he gives him the note, and it's like uh, gone to see about a girl." He actually improvised. Line. Oh, that was my line. Um, which is quite funny because we've just written that into uh, one of our films as, as well, but it was Williams. wasn't for from this, uh, and th- that that was all that, that was all improvised. So yeah, so there's some themes in this that are like clearly conveyed. So like you talk about like uh, classist things, social classes between like the lowest of the law, which is which is good. Uh, is I keep calling them goodwill hunting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And all of his mates. And then you've got like the middle ground, which is obviously uh, Robin Williams. And then you've got the higher class, which is uh, Skarsgård. Yeah, I've just called him Maths Guy. Maths Guy. Math, maths Prof. That's what I'm going to call him for scarf now. Guy. Scarf Guy. And his little, ass- his little assistant that like follows him around. <laughs> yeah, his assistant's really weird. I don't, I don't really get yeah. that. Like, um, Yeah, you know what I like? The camaraderie between the guys at the beginning when 
it starts off with them already like arguing with each other and pulling each other's teeth out rather than being like, oh, we're like really pally and like good friends and this is us in positivity. It's them like taking the piss out of each other. And that just goes to show like if you if you just happen to be a fly on the wall with most like laddie sort of guys, most of the time you would see that and not them being nice to each other. So that was seemed like a really natural way to give off uh, the vibe of these sort of uh, like dumbass twenty year olds, yeah. basically. And like, like, <laughs> he, like, uh, Will, he, his like intelligence. We, we, because I've seen this quite a few times, so I can't really remember what it was like when I first watched it. When I didn't really know the whole, you know, the the plot of this. Um, like, I think the first time then we really see his intelligence is when he's in the bar at Harvard, uh, and. Uh, it was a Ben Affleck's character goes up to that lad, uh, the girl, and then this lad comes along yeah, and, yeah. with the long blonde hair, and he's just quoting books, and then Will just goes up to him and just absolutely just demolishes them, and then goes at the end of it goes, well, if you don't agree with us, we can step outside, and like he's yeah. got both, he's just like, yeah, I'm yeah. intelligent, and you know what, I'll just knock you out if I really want to. So he's just such so, so and uh, it, I, I mean we'll probably. This is part of the story, but when he goes up to the, um, he sees that guy again at the diner, and he knocks on. He's like, "How do you like? Do you like apples?" He's like, "How do you like those apples?" Classy, so good. So that that moment there when he starts reeling off his intelligence mm. against the, uh, what did they call him, the Michael Bolton? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd have to say that the the first thirteen minutes, it's thirteen minutes in when you see that. Yeah. I have to say, the first 13 minutes of this film is really, really weak. Yeah, you don't know what's going so on. So, it's, like, it's, if, if all you had was those first 13 minutes, I would consider this like a really bad 90s movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really strange. Because obviously, like, you get like the old school credits that I, I can't be arsed with. It's like watching like The Witches or something, or huh. like something from the 1960s. And then uh, the music just didn't, didn't work for me. At that point, like the sound, the soundtrack, so like the songs they put in, I really like, but the score, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's just this typical Danny Elfman uh, strings and brass sort of thing. Um, You get that little bit of camaraderie between the guys, but you know, like the first fight scene we get where it's like they're driving along and there's the guy there and they start like... Yeah shouting at that girl like oh let's get out of the car beat the beat the crap out of them and then like that music comes on it's it almost felt like the director was like oh i've, I've just seen uh reservoir dogs and i really like the juxtaposition <laughs> between like really fun music and something really violent happening so i'm gonna put that in this yeah but like if I've, did you watch it you've watched it quite recently haven't you like, yeah, just the other day. yeah yeah two days what, ago. what did you think of that fight scene Oh, the slow motion, uh, the fake slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the, there's the a lot of punches missed there. Hit. Like, like it's it's all just like oh, like them pretending to fight. And at first, I was thinking, is this just like, is it gonna go to like uh, Team America or something? And we're gonna get like Matt David. Yeah. Because <laughs> honestly, they just they seemed so like like stupid, and the filmmaking was so stupid that. I was like, is, am I sure I'm watching the right film here? But 13 minutes in, right, we haven't seen a likable character from Matt Damon, right? We've we've seen this guy who writes on chalkboards and you see he's smart and he's a bit of an arsehole 
And like he's not even likable in front of his friends. He's like the boring one. But then, like you say, Rob, you get that perfect moment where he yep. finally steps in mm-hmm. and starts reeling off all his intelligence. And it's almost right, like he's just beat him in like a rap battle. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's that's like, what it is. Yeah. For being like super smart people, it's like the coolest moment ever. And he is clearly Eminem. You know what? <laughs> There's probably a lot of similarities between this and 8 Mile. Yeah. Considering it's like, it's this guy down on his luck who's really intelligent but comes from a bad family. He, uh, he gets the girl but realises that she's not the right one, although in, in Good Will Hunting he does get her in the end. Mm-hmm. And then in the end he like, drives off into the sunset. Yeah. I think it's more, more like Rocky. It's just like Rocky with, with maths. <laughs> <laughs> Rocky but maths. Yep. Okay, that's how, that's right, how so what, what are some of the similarities there? Yeah, that's how they pitched the film, isn't it? Uh, we're just going to make a film. It's about, it's just like Rocky, but uh, maths. And, the, and Harvey Weinstein was like, aye. Oh, man. Yeah, so uh, about 13 minutes in, like, Matt Damon, Will Hunting, not good. I keep thinking, because I keep thinking, like, Happy Gilmore. You know, like his name's Happy Gilmore. His first name's Happy. I keep thinking his name is Good. Good. <laughs> Am I the only one? Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. Uh, was Was Matt Damon supposed to be like, like, like autistic or something in this film, or is he actually just he's just super smart and he's just a brutish guy? I think this this was one of my problems with him. Um, I think he was supposed to have a photographic memory um, and. It's just really smart. Uh, yeah, I don't think he yeah. had anything actually wrong with him. Because he tries to explain it, doesn't he, to uh, the girl in the coffee shop? He could shop. just play. He could just play the piano. Yeah, and I, I kind of kind of liked that explanation because it was like, he just, he, do, he doesn't know. He's always just been like that. Like, it, And it's like, yeah, you're intelligent. I mean, the scene, there's a scene later on in the film where um, he goes into, who's the teacher called? The maths, maths guy. Um, <laughs> Maths guy, Skarsgård. Yeah, Skarsgård. Like when he goes into his room and he's got like he's clearly done this paper and worked out this equation which no one else has, and um, he's just like he finds this really boring. But then the other guy, he's like, I wish I'd never met you because you know I, I didn't want to I'll, I'll, know someone who's out there who could do this, and he just sets the paper on fire. Because he's not bothered, but then the maths guy was like, he, he tries to save it because he can't do this. It's just like, he's just that clever. He can just, he, yeah. whatever it is, whatever the reason is, he is just that good. So uh, That that seemed to work pretty well, because like, he, he doesn't really seem like, there's like a difference between like, intelligent and like, well-informed. So like, you've got like clever people who just get everything straight away but for goodwill hunting again i keep calling him goodwill hunting just man. keep calling him up. uh he's just like super informed like as soon as he reads a book he just sucks it in and, and has it yeah because his girlfriend's super intelligent like it's she's ridiculously intelligent it's just he can just remember everything um, yeah he can just remember everything yeah, yeah. so like that moment when yeah, he gives him some paper and he's like, so was it maths guy's like, oh, I'm not sure about this. And he's like, no, it's right. I'm telling mm-hmm. you, it's yeah. right, man. This is pure boring as hell. Give us something better. Yeah, which, which is not, really he's good. He's not like intelligent. He's just super informed. Yeah, which is, a re- that's, that's, I really like that scene is just because, just because like, he's just like, when he's, I just find it boring. Like, I do, I, Andy doesn't really, 
is he interested in it as well? What he's doing, like, yeah. But it's just he doesn't a seem interested yeah. in it, does he? I mean, obviously, this is talking about later on in the film as well when he has that um, conversation with um, Ben Affleck's character. What's he called? Um, Chucky. Chucky. Yeah, and they're in the construction yard, and he says that you know the 10 seconds I walk up to your door you know I think you're gone and if you're here in 20 years time I'll kill you and it's just like yeah because he's got the winning lottery ticket and I, I I think that I really do like that scene if you've seen Community the TV show there's an episode where that's referenced that particular scene um, so um Troy, if you'd seen it, he goes. There's a there's a board in the in one of the episodes, and he goes up to it. It looks like he's going to solve the puzzle, like Will does, and he's got the chalk <laughs> in his hand, and then he just goes nah and puts the steals the chalk and puts it in his pocket. But then he actually, <laughs> and then he actually turns around, and um, there's a there's a pipe burst. It becomes p- part of the, the, plumbing, the plumbing team, or yeah. Something. But he doesn't want to be like a plumber, and uh, he's a genius. Yeah, he's a genius plumber yeah. rather than a genius mathematician, which, which yeah. is really funny because. <laughs> If you've seen that show, there's loads of like themed oh, episodes the, the like that. Oh, the custodians. That's yeah, what they call yeah, yeah. Them. And they really want him. And then I think Abed gives <laughs> gives him that same speech if you're here and like every time I walk up to your door and stuff. So it's it's obviously yeah. referenced a lot. Um, and yeah. it's just those little scenes between those characters because at that point as well, I think we've built up such a relationship between those two people because you know they'll fight together, they'll just hang out together, uh, and then the actually he's honest with each other as well so and he says like uh, I think one of the other people I think uh, Robin Williams's character he says you know his mates will die for him or he'll, he'll come and if they wanted to kill like the maths guy the wood like it, it, yeah. it, it is that serious and it's that much of a bond which obviously the math guy wants to have with him but can't because he's not from the same place and that's why the connection with yeah. Robin Williams and Will works really well because they're from the same place um, and he can trust him and obviously he turns into a father figure to him I think the last line he says to him as well he says uh, like um, good luck son and uh, you know that, that yeah. obviously means a lot to Matt Damon because you don't see too much of Matt Damon's past uh, Will's past you just hear about it um, but I think even then by that point we've we've learned so much about him without really seeing any of it so it's just good writing is this right so we're about 15 minutes in and we get we get that cool moment where he has the the math the maths battle or the uh, economics battle or history battle yeah, or whatever, what, whatever it is was going Michael on. Bolton I dude. did not understand a word of it. The, the smart off. Yeah. When you really listen to it, it is just like total like bullshit that they're talking. Like they're not giving opinions. Mm-hmm. Like I've I've spoke to people who pretend to be intelligent about something, and. Like you can you can hear that they're they're putting in the jargon and they're putting in like the words, yet they know like like nothing about it. Yeah. Well, this is one of my problems with that scene was that well the the whole film as well is that it felt like some of the writing was the writers trying to sound smart make someone are. sound smart rather than saying smart things. So it's like a someone's impression of a smart person, um, whereas. Yeah, if you actually listen to what those guys are saying, they're just not saying anything. It's just like they're just quoting things back at each other. Yeah, and I feel like that's what a stupid person's impression of a smart person is. <laughs> yeah, but that works with his character, though, doesn't it? Like, but Will he's was, supposed, to be Will was pretending. supposed to be like a genuine smart guy. Yeah, but I think all he's doing is showing this other guy that he can just spew out crap and pretend to be intelligent as well. 
Yeah. He, he doesn't actually have an opinion on those topics. Like, he probably just doesn't care. But he can show that with his photographic memory that he can he can just spew that, that rubbish back at him. Yeah. Oh, man, that's a good rap battle, that, like, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it is a rap battle. It it's is. weird, though. So we get this, we get this, uh, how do you like them apples? Which I think is probably my favourite moment. I don't like moment. that. Do you not? Do you know, know, I, I do as you well. know what? You wouldn't like it because you hate apples, don't you? <laughs> Oh yeah, you've got you've got me. What does it even mean? Apple Nazis. Well, it's what do you mean? It's just what's the word? It's How do you like them apples? Yeah. How do you like those apples? It's, it's like a famous, like, thing, isn't it? Yeah, the, like, it's something you people say. People say it all the time. Like, how do you like them apples? Yeah. Like these apples. And you start look, using. You start look using at my one. apples. My apples are shiny. <laughs> Did, was this the first time? How do you like them apples came up? I don't think. In the in the film, yeah, but not in real life. They like I'm sure they, it's didn't, a scene. they didn't write that that thing. Like it didn't become a thing after Goodwill Hunting. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Otherwise the ponytail ponytail guy would be like, What are you on about, mate? <laughs> like, yeah, no, but he says, Do you like apples? No, but that would make sense though, wouldn't it? Because Without- if how'd you like them apples wasn't a thing, then the whole thing of do you like apples? Yeah. Are you Wouldn't googling really it? <laughs> yeah, I'm googling it now. You just, you just keep talking. Can I have a little rant about Will? Go on. Then. So I, I just mean, don't. You, you, you're going to anyway, aren't you? So <laughs> I'm going to anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just, <laughs> I just didn't really. I thought he was just really cliched, and I just didn't think he was like a real person. He was like really cartoonish. Like he was like a cartoonish smart person. Like, he was too good at everything. Like, he wasn't just good at maths. He was good at history and sociology and, and art. And No, but he proves he's not, though, doesn't he? Later on, he says he can't play the piano. He's like, I just don't get it. But with with books, he does get but it. But seemingly everything. He's, I think the film wants us to believe that he's read every single book ever written. And he's just, he's funny. He's good looking. He's good at fighting. Like, he's just too good at everything. He's got a wicked 90s hairstyle. He's got terrible haircut, but that we, that's the only th- that's the only flaw. <laughs> yeah, and but that was a I great haircut in the 90s, wasn't it? Everyone <laughs> loved that. Yeah. We're constantly told how nice of a person he is and yeah, from all his friends and he's got so much potential, but he's just a dickhead. He's just a total prick in every single scene and I don't understand when we're supposed to feel sympathy for him. Yeah. I mean, uh, no, you make a good point because he is an absolute dickhead up until the point where he starts defending his friend. Yeah. Yeah, and it, then after that moment, he starts becoming a lot more likable. But no, he's only—is that the only scene where he's you know not what, a dickhead? You know what's funny? You talk about like I suppose it's a he's start. supposed to be reading loads of books, but in the film, the only time we ever see him read a book is during like the opening sequence where he's mm-hmm. like scanning pages. But you'd think someone who like knows like everything about everything would have like millions of stacks of books and he would constantly be in the library. Like if just, this is a guy who goes around punching people and, uh, you know, maybe just he's got a all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? He would be a lot Kindles. smarter if it was 2020, wouldn't he? <laughs> he'll be wikipedia boy <laughs> he's not just a genius he's like a super genius like he's almost like super villain level of smart like this could be an origin story to him becoming lex Luthor or something like he's just too 
I think it's just it's unclear how he's so smart. Like yeah, it's never really said other than and just he, he is smart. Um and I think that's it, an the, issue for me. Why do you need to know why he's smart? Like I people are just smart, aren't they? I wish I was that smart. Like some some people are born really clever. Yeah. It's like how, how can people. you say that like anything? Like K Dog, how how are you smart? Um Red <laughs> Red Books. <laughs> oh man. Well the one thing you said said just there, like obviously he's not really likable for such a long time and then throughout the film he does but these when, things that make him even unlikable. And name him name some scenes where he's likable. He's a dick to all of his therapists. He's not even nice to Robin Williams until like the last scene or something. Because he's always because Yeah, but it's if, justified though, isn't yeah. it? Because he's so he's had such a shit upbringing. Oh, see, let me, he, Larry, let me talk about that. Then. Go on, then. <laughs> so his motivation for him being a dick is that he was an orphan and lived in a foster home, and his dad was like abused him or something. But that's just such a cliched um, trope. Like, it's a, you can't just say that and then excuse all of his dickish behaviour. Like, that's his reason. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm so, I'm so troubled that I can't get a proper job, even though I'm really smart. I want to just have a, a job laying bricks or whatever. Like, get a job, mate. Pay, like, help your friends out. <laughs> buy them a car. Like, he's got the winning lottery ticket, he as we keep saying. Beaten as mate, a kid. That's literally what the characters say to him in the film. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like, were well, you not listening to what Chucky and what Robin Williams were saying? Like they were telling him to do that. You're supposed to be frustrated that he's not <laughs> achieving what he should yeah. be. Like, but as his character, he's like bored with all of this like math stuff. He's just too Did you watch the film, kid? <laughs> Are you no, sure you watched this movie? He's like he's never had anyone that's ever cared for him ever, and he's in. There's some dialogue in the film where he's just like where they even say like pushed everyone else away because he doesn't want them to leave as well. That, you, you told that Rob, Rob Williams told you that. That's what you do in therapy. You talk <laughs> <laughs> like otherwise. Well, he doesn't. We're not that's a good it. point. We're Let's not showing it. That. We're just to- what? Yeah, but we get the exposition out the way by talking about his past as a therapist who would naturally ask that question yeah. to him. Yeah. So we're in the room with them and we learn as a Robin Williams does. Yeah. So he's just informing the uninformed. So in terms of exposition, it's not forced at all. Mm-hmm. So objectively, K-Dog, you're just wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> I just, I, I, I mean, I think when we get into those, those therapy sessions, we do we start to feel really sorry for him when you start to hear him like he's an orphan he does has been beaten and the fact that he's so intelligent that but you know, just bored. But you know what I mean in, in all films oh we need this guy to be troubled watch you make his back his history oh let's make him abused and put him in a foster home let's just tick those boxes and then that, that, that's, that excuses his behaviour like just be okay. more creative in your writing I mean I suppose Batman well, right, was so uh, before the end of today we'll, we'll come up with We'll come up with a bunch more, but let's let's carry on. We'll we'll hold that. We'll put a pin in it, K Dog. <laughs> yeah, right. We'll... I'll tell you what I do like. Let's get back to positives. Uh, we've had no real call to action at all for the first fifteen minutes. We've we've had some character development. We've we've brought in some people. Uh, we've seen the fact that he's really clever, uh, but he's a janitor and stuff like that. And then we get him beating people up. A fight scene. We've talked about it already. Uh, then after that point, you're like, yeah, but what's going to actually happen in this film? Where's the conflict? And what happens next? Ah, then we get the courtroom. 
And the courtroom's clever because the judge says, talks about his history, right? you know, your recent convictions, but it also says that you're, you're adopted and stuff. Again, that's another way to deliver this exposition without it being forced. Ah, it's he's a clever lad. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, sure, whatever. Carry <laughs> on. Um, so, the, yeah, the judge delivers all that stuff. And then, right, this is this is the thing that uh, I think they had to just they had to just lay the pipe and get it out of the way. Yeah. Why? Why would? All right. So this I know the Skarsgård guy is like, oh my god, he's a maths genius. I'm a maths genius, but he's like even better. So I need to nurture him because he's the next Einstein, and and if if he's the next Einstein, he needs to do all this stuff. But at first, it's kind of just like this guy who's a maths professor comes in and goes. All right, I'm gonna pay your bail, but you first you gotta do. You know, I'm gonna force you to do two things. You first of all you've gotta do some maths with me, and second of all you've gotta to go to therapy. And at first I'm like, gotta to go to therapy. Like that's why would you ask him to go to therapy? Like therapy's not gonna help the maths guy, but ah ah, but it helps the writers bring Robin Williams in. Oh yeah, it does. Thank God. Because this, he's, <laughs> right. this performance is I just imagine unreal. If it was two hours of just a maths guy. And they were just doing <laughs> that would be a bad film. Just yeah. long division, all for like two hours. Like, so this this whole idea of just ah, uh, but there's a catch. Like, I understand the catch, but why would the maths guy say? And you've also got to go to therapy. Well, like, what what's therapy gonna do? No, it's just another thing the judge would say as well, though. So it's just like he's clearly been in a lot of trouble. Like he he, he reads off his rap sheet. He's like, you clearly need help. So w- the thing that will help and does is therapy. So the judge, with his like wisdom, you know, I imagine this judge is very clever. His position he's in, that's what he would give him. It's a natural thing you would ah, you right. would give to someone. Maybe in what they should have position. done is the judge would have said like, you you should get help. Because at no point did the judge say like you should get therapy or anything. Yeah, that's or, like, true. A conversation yeah. with the judge in Skarsgård saying. He talks to he talks to the judge saying like I'll, I'm gonna help him out, uh, and then the judge says yeah right so you you gotta get him into therapy that's all I yeah. need from him because he could have just but made that like up. Skarsgård goes along and says he should do it yeah. and it's like well he's not a therapist so why is he why is he the one advising yeah Goodwill hunting I mean the, the maths guy could just be like oh you've also got to like uh, clean me apartment one one day a week that's that's <laughs> that's just yeah, what the judge it. said yeah like. <laughs> Exactly. So, but talking said, about Skarsgård, what what did you think about the fact that he was like a bit of a pervert to his yeah, students? Yeah, that that hasn't held up, hasn't it? In twenty twenty, no, it hasn't. That is not There's, at all. There was there was a few. There was two scenes, wasn't it? Um, at the beginning, where he, he asked some a, a student to go to dinner with him. Um, yeah, and then there was another one uh, where he says something uh, about right, Weinstein yeah. didn't didn't try to cut that out the script, did he? Yeah, I feel mm. nowadays they wouldn't have done that because that really did lose a lot of um, empathy for this guy. I just because he was set up as a bad guy. Like nowadays, that's a that's he was you know yeah he'd be me too. Didn't he's now, a pervert. In 2020. Aye. I think in 1997 he was supposed to be like a bit of a romancer and like the younger ladies, but really, he's a sex pest. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he's using his power of being top of maths or whatever to like sleep with underage. Well, not underage, but you know. It's, female students and that's just yeah, uh, yeah I, I couldn't stop thinking about that to be honest when it was on screen when he was on screen 
Yeah. yeah. But uh-huh. I, I suppose that I makes him that just makes him dislike him even more uh, throughout the film. But he's not I don't think he's meant to be disliked though, really. He's meant to be he's not meant to be like Robin Williams, but he's not meant to be disliked. He's just meant to be a bit a bit of an arrogant prick. Yeah. Yeah, like he's not a bad guy, is he? No. Do we have a villain in this? There's not really a villain, is there? Just uh, just Will's ego. <laughs> yeah, they're all sort of like villains to each other. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you something something fun. It's before Robin Williams comes in, and it's all the different therapists. And one of them, he's talking to him, and he's like really nice to him. <laughs> he's like, uh, is it is it difficult for you to like? stay in the closet and he's like oh, I don't know what you're talking about and he's like oh man I don't care if you're put from the roof <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's, a, that's another thing I would say that's aged a bit because there's lots of gay references and lots of like shaming people for having um, homophobic tho- ho- um, homoerotic yeah. thoughts yeah. and that but wouldn't, that wouldn't that, be written in who was the today. one who said it was okay it was Mr. Goodwill Hunting you are, so, so he's, fut- he's future thinking Goodwill Hunting was like, I'm not homophobic, I don't mind. Yeah. Uh, he's a good lad with a really nice 90s haircut. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, even in 1997, that wasn't stylish. Like, the ball cut went out way earlier than yeah. that. Did any of you have a ball cut when you were in school? Oh, yeah. I did. I'll show you a photo. Yeah, yeah. I've. <laughs> I never had a ball cut. Did you have a rub? <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. I think <laughs> I had I, one for like the duration of primary school. Yeah. No, I think I had did one you? since. Uh, Literally as as long as my hair could be for a ball cut until I was about fourteen, like I just <laughs> the didn't ball cut naturally turned into like skater cut. Yeah, so unfortunately. <laughs> um, should we move on? Right, to... so he plays with different. Sorry, um, uh, Are you go Rob. No, I was just going to say, move on to like direction. Um, to this, uh, we spoke about story quite a bit. Um, or even then, I think we might have spoke a little bit about direction. So I think the direction. In terms of like cinematography and camera and the way it looks on the screen, it's very, not basic's the wrong word, but like very kind of meat and two veg kind of style of directing where it's letting, not drawing too much of attention to the filmmaking and just letting the performances and the story do their work rather than um, stylizing it. Yeah. There was a few like kind of stylized, yeah. stylistic moments which I wrote down, which was um, the fighting scene, which we touched upon, like there was some weird you know, kooky camera angles going on yeah. there. It was actually um, them performing in slow motion as well. Like <laughs> okay, and so. there was the there was one moment where he's in the office with Robin Williams, and you know he's kind of pushing his buttons here and there, and like just trying to see what what will get a reaction from him. And then when he mentions his wife, he suddenly you know gets that reaction that he wants. Mm-hmm. And then he's he's at the window, and he kind of moves towards the window, and there's a beam of light that hits his face. Mm-hmm. Remember that bit? Yeah. Um, uh, I quite like that moment. And the other the other thing I noted was how the camera kind of pans around a lot of the backs of people's heads when they're in when they're talking did you notice that yeah so it crosses the 180 a couple of times doesn't it did it, it a few like it's more scenes to be honest when they're, they're in dialogue it's due in power dynamics isn't it when it changes when they throw the ball from one to the other they'll they'll cross the 180 and re-establish it on the other side yeah what what was really nice about some of the takes as well like um when they're in the uh park and robbie williams has got got his speech talking about to will about um you know you're just a kid you've never experienced any of this 
um, it just stays on them and it just it just moves slowly. Then does, we'll yeah. and which is really nice. So we're not cutting, cutting, cutting. We we'll just stay with them. Um, that happens throughout the film. Um, and and the it's probably shot on more of a telephoto lens, so they're shooting from far away. But it looks like we're, we're so close, you don't see much of the background. And it's not, I wouldn't say a traditional framing because a lot of the person's heads cut off and it, it just looks a little bit weird in some of the shots. But even when they're in the uh, uh, the therapy room as well, that's like so close to each other, shooting over the shoulder and we're, it's so intimate within those scenes. Um, and the other the other shot which I loved is when he's, I mean, I think this whole scene's just perfect and when he's explaining about how he met his wife um, and he's building up this story about, you know, he met her in the bar, then he starts talking about the uh, the baseball game and, like, he reenacts, like, the baseball player, like, hitting the ball. But and then it goes to, like, a top-down shot and he's, like, running around the bases and, the, obviously, the four seats in his room set out, like, uh, a baseball field. And, it, like, it, like, yeah, and, the, and then he knocks past Will and then... It's like, it's so exciting. Then he goes, uh, so he just goes, so did you rush the field? He was like, no, I wasn't there. I was in the bar. And then it just slows back down. Um, there's, yeah, there's a lot, lots of energy there, wasn't there? Yeah. Did you notice that that scene was the first time they sat next to each other rather than across yeah. from each other? Yeah, which is like within those So they'd always four sat seats. on opposite sides and now they're finally progressing mm-hmm. next to each other. Yeah. So that's where the overhead begins because it clearly shows that they're not, they're not across the room anymore. Yeah. And then yeah, like when it turns out, like the, it's like a baseball field. That was cool. Yeah. That and was I, like one of the only real shots where they, they, put the the visuals into the theme. Yeah, with what was being said and everything like that, and it just really worked. And obviously the the set design works well with that as well. Um, and it's oh, it, talking about set design. There was one really clever bit. So we we get Robin Williams. He's introduced through. Uh, Professor Maths Boy. <laughs> and they start chatting and then they have this bit of a tussle. They become sort of equals with each other. He starts talking about the painting. Then he chokes him out and he's like, I don't need this. Which shows that he's an unstable character, just like Goodwill. <laughs> and then the first cut to like Robin Williams' own environment is like dirty dishes in the sink. Yep. Which I thought was like, dirty dishes dishes in the sink is a, like a perfect image for like all the subtext behind who this character is without having to tell you anymore like we understand that these things just aren't a priority to him and he's just a complex guy in his head I thought that was really cool I was like oh man I noticed that yeah that's well clever it's just those little little things that tell so much of the story because we know that his wife's not there um, we found out that the scene before and then that scene kind of carries on of when they go into the park as well because he says the other night I, you know I just sat there and thought about you and then I didn't think any more about you because of this reason and it's because I, he worked out straight away or throughout that night that Will is just a kid he's never experienced anything he's never like he says he's never been inside like an art museum and, and, and even the smell of it and stuff like that in the very descriptive of like all of these places Will hasn't been because he's never left where he was born yeah. do you know I think he could in that monologue it was a brilliant monologue but you know, I think you could f- kind of feel the script. You could, you could almost hear the script in what Rob Williams' hand. Like it was just too perfect. Yeah. Or was that just me? No. Like it was just such a, a brilliant monologue that it was well written. It was. I think it was just. It was. Was it too well well written? 
Well, I think I think it might did be he win an Oscar. Yeah, he won. Yeah, he did win an yeah, Oscar. Yeah, and uh, he kind of like sank. So objectively, of, you're wrong. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're wrong I think again, Robin Williams. <laughs> Robin Williams, after he won his Oscars, he like thanked them because he, Robin Williams had been around for a long time and he's had some amazing performances. And before this, it was like, oh, he's just a comedy actor. And then he got given this role, which is like no comedy. Well, there is comedy into it, but he's, it just shows you how fantastic an actor he is. But I think I think that, that speech they have in the park is justified for a couple of reasons because one, he's a counsellor. So he's, 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 he's trying to, he needs to tell Will exactly what Will needs to hear. But he's also thought about it so much. You know, this Will, who he's just met, is, is like, it's got him so angry to the point where he actually choked him out a little. And he's like, you know, you know, in an argument where you're just like, oh man, I should have said that after the fact. He's thought mm. about this all night. Yeah, so and he's thought he about this the realis- in the shower on yeah, the night. When he comes to the realisation yeah. of like, Will's just a kid, he's thought of this monologue and he's delivered it. Um, if you've ever, oh, I'm going to, you know, it's it's similar to to the argument, so I think it's quite justified. I mean, I, I love his. I've said it a million times, but I do love his performance in this. I think it's one of his stronger roles, like ever. So, the last part of that scene had a really clever line, because it all ties up why he's talking about how, but you haven't been to the Sistine Chapel, yeah. things like that. Because it's like, what is it he says? He's like, uh, you're an orphan. But I can't learn about you by reading Oliver Twist. Yeah. Oh, that's an so, amazing line. And then he's like basically yeah. saying, but line, you yeah. can't you can't learn about me by looking at a painting. And then at that point, Will's like, oh yeah, okay, maybe I am a bit of bit of a uh, a book nerd. Yeah. It's the first first time someone's called him out on his show, yeah. really, isn't it? Yeah. That's his gap, isn't it? That's good Will's gap, is. Like real life, yeah. And the, uh, experience. Yes, and the question of like, who do you have in your life who will like, you know, really be there for you and challenge you? And then he mentions obviously his mate, and he goes, uh, Ron Williams' character like dismisses that straight away. And then he then will like rolls off like people like Shakespeare and things like that. He says, well, they're all dead, you know. And it's just like, okay, everyone in his life that really should uh, like challenge him. Uh, is dead or isn't there um, and it, it, that really hits into him because like Kato you just said you know it's the first person that's challenged him in any way um, and then obviously he's got this girl who does challenge him as well and he slowly realises that's the main thing that he, he really needs I found another really interesting part of direction so it's between Maths Guy and, and Robin Williams and when they first meet up together, it's on Matt's guy's terms and he's inviting them out. And he invites them out to like a fancy restaurant. Yeah. And they're drinking wine and they're having a good time. They're dining. Uh, and then in contrast, later on, Robin Williams is the one who invites him out and he just invites him out to like a dive bar and they're just having beer. And you can clearly see between the both of them that they're in like massive like disposition in those locations and I thought that was like a really interesting way to to stick them in a location that really shows like their their class hierarchy with each other rather than just like sort of putting it on their own costume or something. Yeah, I mean the the, the bar. Yeah, that's a good point. The bar location really helps with Robin Williams's point. Actually, it helps with both of the points because he they asked the bar bartender like, "Oh, have you have you heard of um like like famous people and they're like fighting against each other, but they're using this." say normal person to help 
fight their fight along the way. So without that location, would that that particular scene wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have worked either. Uh, so. Yeah, you wouldn't have that mediator. Yeah. I read a fact that the, those bartenders, or I, I can't remember who they were, but I think they were scientists. Like I think they were <laughs> one of the the people that Goodwill Hunting was based off. Um, oh, that's cool. And they just give him a little cameo. Yeah, we've talked a little bit about cinematography. I mean, we've talked more more mm-hmm. about story, but I knew this type of film is it's just story, isn't it? Um, should we yeah. move on to like say, a little bit about art direction, production design? Um, so we've got like we've touched on it a little bit with yeah, locations. Yeah, locations are good, um, uh, especially with like his office things like that. Yeah, I think Will's uh, Will's apartment. You don't see too much of it, but it's because he doesn't want to see too much of it as well. But we see that he doesn't have well, a lot. That's, yeah, that's yeah. clever, that isn't it? Yeah. Like we have, we never actually enter into his into his house. Yeah, we, we we only see it from the window. Yeah, we see a couple of shots. I think at the beginning of him reading, but other than that, that that's it. It's because he doesn't want to spend any time there. He doesn't like it, um, and that's why you know that yeah. whole thing of his mate walking up to his house and knocking on, um, and then he's always kind of coming out, which is good. I think. Uh, the office of uh, Robin Williams's character, you know, it's just full of books, and that really helps with the story because uh, that's how Will kind of gets into him. He's like, "You read all of these books, you read all of that," and he's like, "Well, you're reading the wrong books." So it's the production design, but it also helps with like the script and the dialogue as well. I quite like the um, costumes. Yeah. Um, in terms of Will and all his mates, they were wearing these like really tatty old t-shirts and and kind of you know workman's gear and I, I did think throughout i'm like i wonder where they got them from like did they like <laughs> whether just somebody's old t-shirt or did they make it rough and ready yeah. um production I, I was thinking about that hey, mate i think there's a tutorial on that on uh <laughs> on, on what such the film look so there will be get yourself get yourself on it yeah. he's always wearing a t- <laughs> will's always wearing a t-shirt with holes in i don't know if you noticed that yeah he is yeah he's always wearing like workman's pants as well like even when he's even when he's supposed to be like in posh interviews and stuff yeah Aye. Um, yeah. What did you think of Chucky's suit when he's pretending to be Goodwill? Oh, like, I, like like his suit is, like, I like his socks. I like his It just looks bad. His hair's like in like a 1930s quiff. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he looks like Bruce Wayne apart from the shoes. Like, it's an early, yeah, early like Bruce, Bruce Wayne, Wayne, which I, I love that scene as Aye. well because it's like, I, of course, he would send his mate there and he gets money off like the other people, which is hilarious. Yeah. Um, so, I, what did you think about the love interest? I, I liked it because it challenges them. Like, I think I think it was it was certainly needed for the story in terms of mirroring Robin Williams's experience. He needed a, a love interest there. Um, in terms of her character, she was okay. I didn't like her kind of British kind of British quirkiness. But it's my that like you no, like that was her character. It was oh, like probably yeah. written. She's yeah. British and quirky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> I noticed that. It was like, oh, oh, I'm British. Hello, <laughs> I've got Union Jacks on my on my clipboard. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I'm from I'm from London, and I'm very British, and I like teen crumpets. So it's like, how are man? Sort yourself out. But maybe we just noticed that because uh, I mean, she's from London, you know, also. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> to be, yeah, yeah. Right on but, point, isn't it? Yeah, true. But in terms of how, in terms of how they work each, off each other and balance each other out, I liked, I liked that character. Yeah, there was elements in it that I thought were really, really funny. Like she, she became her own character, which was good because we get like elements where on their first real date. 
they're just eating burgers. You know, she's super smart. She works at MIT, but they're, they're happy to just go to like a, a burger joint and get something quite cheap. And then the whole thing of like, oh, should we, let's just get the kiss out the way then. Hurry up. And they've got a mouthful of food. It, that was a good scene to show that she's, you know, she's super intelligent and she's got some money behind her. That At that point, we don't know that it's inheritance through her dad dying. But we get to see that she isn't like really, really stuck up. Yeah, and I then think, later on we get something ev- no you go go on kid uh, no I was just going to add to that and say this film is, what it does really well is establishing characters and showing who they are in a very short amount of time um, and think, yeah it, it, with with her it does that as well yeah um, I, th- I kind of think I, um, I, with that character being so she's justified in being uh, kind of yeah she's got all this money she's really intelligent but she's really humble because of the tragedy of her losing like her father young as well so i kind of feel like she's well balanced in that because yeah she, she's definitely well balanced she could there. just be stuck up really intelligent loads of money and you know then you've got two completely different characters but she's she's had loss in her life which humbles you know which has humbled her character so we also get a really good moment which this is like this is like a the one moment where she finally meets all of her friends and she's willing to sort of like become one of the guys. So they're all like, she's just listening for about five minutes about this story of, uh, what is the story it's that... His, uh, his uncle um, accidentally drove a police car home when he was drunk and go, car, yeah, which is yeah. hilarious. And then she one-ups it and she does the Irish accent and everything. She's like, oh, I'll put my teeth away and uh, I'll yeah, give you yeah. the blowjob for your, for, the, for your birthday. Yeah. And then she like gets a mouthful of Guinness and <laughs> goes gives a kiss. <laughs> so she like she fits goes in. Goes to show that she's willing to get a little bit uncomfortable for the joke, and she's mm-hmm. she's willing to have what, fun. Like her character is like, it's it's a bit more of a bridging gap between the two worlds. Um, so you've obviously got Will's world, and you've got kind of the Math Sky world, uh, or Will can go into this massively you know successful career where he makes lots of money for a corporation and she's the bridging character in between that that can help him do that and f- actually find the right way so obviously we've got the maths guy who just wants him to be this super intelligent guy who who you know works for a corporation and makes him look good then you've got robin williams who kind of if it's got the he you know he's trying to figure out where his past was and like how that has affected his future and just allowing him to do what he wants and then you've got this third character who I feel like is a little bit of both will help him in terms of when his therapy's up she can help him sort that side out but and and she can also help him sort out his career side as well so she's the perfect match between the two male characters in this she balances yeah. everything in between I think without her well we'll just have a lot of therapy and a lot of maths so <laughs> yeah it's strange that he's had like no nurture in his whole life and then now he's got three people he's trying got, to help well, him he's out got four. in their all different ways Ben Affleck as well uh, yeah. yes was uh, Ben Affleck's character pushes him over all the edge four the, so. all four of them are telling me the exact same thing of like get your shit together stop warning and get a job and he's just still not listening to any of them. <laughs> yeah. Aye, but he's got a lovely 1987 haircut, though, doesn't yeah, he? It's pretty good, though. <laughs> right, let's move on to... Uh, I mean, visual effects and special effects, there wasn't really anything, uh, like, 
apart from the Kid, slow you really motion. don't like him, do you, as a person? I do. I, I, I just... What, what did you think of the bit when he's he's got the interview at the NSA and they're like, well, why wouldn't you want to be at the NSA? And then he reels off this whole thing of like, oh, but then I'll get the cords that are going to release this and then eventually there's going to be 1,500 Africans who get bombed. I, I, I like the, the idea. I liked... I, I know I know where they're trying to go with that. I just don't like how he just he just constantly talks in monologues. He doesn't talk like a real person. Like Ben Affleck and Casey Affleck and all his mates, they feel like the the normal people. Um, whereas as Goodwill Hunting, he just constantly talks in monologues, and it sounds like someone trying to be smart rather than being smart. I just that's my problem with it. I think even in the bench scene. He's just not in dialogue with Robin Williams. He just waits for him to finish, then he gives a monologue. And then Robin Williams replies back with a monologue. And there's just... I just... I just it's, sometimes it's a little grating. Well, I, th- I think... I think in uh, in terms of, like, when he's just sitting there waiting and he's not delivering anything back, I think he's... He, he's trying to give people the time. And I think, uh, especially within yeah. that, that... He's having a good think, isn't he, when he's talking? Yeah. I think he's just... And when he delivers his monologue, he's thought of... The, the conversation, 20 conversations ahead, especially with the NSA agent. Yeah. Like, he knows exactly what's And it what cuts as well, doesn't it? it like, he's, he's, he's about to reel it off with the NSA, and then it cuts to him reeling it off to Robin Williams. And at that point, it would be a monologue because Robin Williams just has to listen to him mm-hmm. talk about what he already said. But he's asked a question, hasn't so he? He's like, so what did you say? It's a more perfect version. Yeah, what did you say yeah. then? NSA? So I'd, I'd like, I like that transition. The kind of, the, the pacing of this. Um, I think, actually, we'll move on to editing. I think the pacing of this film, it's just over two hours, I think two hours. Um, and I, I, it goes really quick. It does? It's over two hours. Uh, no, I think it's two two hours. I'll just double check. Two hours and six minutes, so just with credits. The opening credits oh, right, was about okay. six minutes. I thought it was only like an hour and a half. No, and I think I think the oh, pace man. of this is really, really good, and we get a lot of dialogue all the way through, and sometimes that can feel, you know, you're watching it like, all right, just get on to the next point. But I think it's quite pacey within the dialogue. Um, I re- I re- and the editing, it's just we get some long takes, um, where we just sit and watch them we're not constantly cut backwards or forwards in between a dialogue scene yeah there's a lot of pauses yeah. um, sometimes there's a lot of Will just kind of like staring off into the distance there's a lot of train shots but that kind of g- uh, gives us a break I think t- talking about him staring off into the distance I'll tell you what I'll tell you what the shot I absolutely hated and it's in the beginning man the beginning of this film just cut that bit out I don't know what you guys think but I just think the beginning of this film's fucking shit <laughs> oh sorry beep beep that out beep. <laughs> um, it's it's where he's like he like looks at the at the formula or whatever on the board and then and then now he's at home with a dry white marker writing on his on his bathroom mirror and it's like what the hell this this makes no sense when you watch the rest of the film like it's like they're trying to go for like a beautiful mind sort of thing yeah why do really... all maths why do all maths geniuses write on windows and mirrors and stuff I don't do any... they do it in the social <laughs> network as well yeah the social <laughs> network the uh he invites his mate over he goes what was that formula and writes it on his outside window and they're like, what are they doing? Why do you have pens that do this? <laughs> Who has pens that write just there? Just that you can write on things? Aye. <laughs> uh, Aye. Uh, 
all these mass geniuses with dry white markers in the back pocket so they can write on a yeah. write on a bathroom window. Um, it, it seemed out of character for him when you watch the rest of the film. Yeah, that's true. And it was uh, only because you said about the long takes watching watching him, but that yeah. was definitely like a birthday bird. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to um, sound design. Um, again, I don't think there's a great deal to talk about. We'll move on to soundtrack as well. I think, Rich, you mentioned some stuff at the beginning about like the score. It's the score. It's yep. the score I don't like. The score is very, like, it's like Stuart Little, <laughs> like 90s family. Not so much like, it's like off Disney, sort of. Just a typical 90s Danny Elfman. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I listen, so what I do when we do these, I watch the film and then for a few days after I listen to the soundtrack yeah, and the cool. score. Yeah. Um, but there's just it just sounds like, a, if you were to describe it, it just sounds like a film soundtrack. Like there's nothing, it sounds like a film should sound with no real inspiration yeah. to it, I would say. There's no real goodwill hunting stamp on this film. Yeah, the only good song There isn't is like this motif the, that, that hits it. You know, you, you listen to something that like... Uh, I mean, it's probably a bit more obvious, but like the Dark Knight has these these horns, and it's just two notes. But you know that those notes mean Batman's coming for you. <laughs> yeah. So is is there a way you could write this where it's like Goodwill, Matt's boy? <laughs> <laughs> but it is. It's just like do 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 do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just very twid- twiddly. Just the Bridley, yeah. The, be- <laughs> the best song in it is obviously Afternoon Delight, which plays at the end of the credits, but he sings it halfway through or uh, says it halfway through. My, yeah, my theory for that is because they obviously must have bought the rights for him to sing it during the therapy session. And then they're like, well, we've bought it now. Uh, Let's well, stick it in the credits. Using it, yeah. using it. But he's driving yeah. off to go and see the girl as well. So, you know. That's true, yeah. You know. Driving off into the sunset. Yeah. One thing I liked, I liked Elliot Smith, who was a recurring um, saw, uh, artist throughout the film. And they, what are those songs? You, do you know, like the really melancholy. Um, you'll know them when you play them. It's always when he's with what's her face, in in a hot, in a room, and they're having like oh, little really? moments together. Yeah. Um, but I really like Elliot Smith. I think he pl- it's played about three or four times throughout it. But you know that when he's playing, oh, it's emotional time now. Let's um, <laughs> let's um, change gears. So do you reckon the the hammering that on a bit too much? And that's like, what I was just about to say. Yeah, like it was nice the first time, but then I'm like, oh, I it's can- a bit like in the Lord of the Rings when <laughs> yeah. you get the the heroic moment. Right, obviously, like the first time we hear. Ba 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 It's like this big epic vista and it's like the guys finally running and it's the three of them and the you know they're finally going off and they're gonna help Merry and Pippin. But then in the second movie, when they're at Helm's Deep and it's like all I know Bloom's gonna skateboard down the stairs. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. It's like yeah, we get it, it's heroic. Like why do we need to hear that? Like it's obvious. Yeah, that was pretty much what it was for me towards the end. But I, I really like the soundtrack though. Like I think the songs were great. The songs were great, yeah. It's just the score that I had a problem with. And it was it, it was because it was part of that first ten minutes of the film. That's just oh honestly. Right, uh, we're getting to the end of the list, so how would you do this differently, if at all? Oh, I got a couple of things. So the old school opening credits, I would change. I would just get rid of them. I would start it off in the bar. A bit like how the social network starts, just starts off in the bar with them already talking. Because yeah. I don't think it actually grants anything towards it, the film. It doesn't really it's tell just... you anything, does it? It doesn't tell you really much yeah, about exactly. the character, just that he's picked up a book and he started reading it. 
Like it's this it's oh it's Matt Damon in the background behind all all these like floaty things. Yeah. Uh, uh you know if we could uh wipe Harvey Weinstein off the earth, I would happily do that. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's a shame that the first name that pops up on this film is Harvey Weinstein. I'm, oh, I'm sure yeah. a lot of other people might agree more with that statement. <laughs> so, uh, the '90s music, obviously, this was in the '90s, so I gotta give it some some credit for that. Um, but then also <laughs> the fight scene, uh, <laughs> like I don't know, but it seems like it changes changes genre. For like th- that two minutes, where this director is like, "Oh yeah, let's let's put a like a pure have you seen Tarantino moment in it? Have you seen a, Have you seen a Bronx Tale? No. Have you seen it, Rob? No. It's the fight scene is identical to that, and you're totally right. He's just kind of picked it from a gangster film and put it in. Like the way it's shot, the kind of lower camera angles, the shaky cameras, the kind of slow motion. It's it's identical to a Bronx Tale. Google that after okay. we finish this. Yeah. I think that's probably it, you know. I don't think I would change anything else. Oh, there's one line I'd really do like where he's like, it's right towards the end of, of Robin Williams and Goodwill Hunting's uh, moment of of resolution is when he already has the, you know, he's got the report and he's like talking about it and then Will's like, All right, I know what's going to be in it and stuff. Now, I thought it was a really interesting line when he was like, Oh yeah, my dad will put a wrench and a belt on the table and ask us to choose. And then Robin Williams was like, yeah. oh, well, obviously I choose the belt. He's like, nah, I'd pick the wrench because fuck that guy. Yeah, I really That like was that cool. Man. That shows that he's pure. Uh, uh, will. Goodwill. Yeah, I think with the dialogue, it's it's always taken to the extreme of whatever they're talking about. Kind of, you know, I'll, I'll choose the wrench. And then when he's talking about, you know, his wife at the first time when he introduces her or when Will's trying to get to him. And it's all, I think feel like it's always like, it's just to the extreme of whatever they're trying to say, which really works, um, even when they're trying to be nice to each other. So that, that, that works. I mean, I wouldn't really do much differently. Maybe it's the beginner. Like you said, um, those opening credits don't really tell us anything about the character. Just started in the bar. All right, we're with the guys in the bar. Let, let, let's go for this. Um, but other than that, I, I like says I've watched this so many times, and I just think Robin Williams's performance is it's just worth watching just for that. Um, yeah, this is one of the films that when I watch it, I'm like, oh man, Robin Williams is so good. And then a moment later, I'm like oh, yeah, obviously this is why he got the Oscar. Whereas like other performance, yeah. Oscar-winning performances, I'm watching them and I'm like, yeah, they're really good, but like, I don't like, I don't like hand them the Oscar while I'm watching it. But this one, I mean, I'm handing them the Oscar within half an hour. I'm like, oh yeah. man, he's so good. Yeah, I think definitely compared to, you know, everything else we'd seen him in as well. Uh by that point, you know, he'd done, he's done loads of films, but it's... I- Those types of performances, because obviously he's known as being this really wacky comic character, same thing with like Jim Carrey and stuff. Whenever those types of, those types of comedic actors do something serious, it just hits home so much harder. Uh, I don't know why. Well, it's kind of like... Uh, it, it does. I just watched... Um Uncut Gems, you know, and see him adding Yeah, exactly. That's, and, and, how good is that? And yeah. cause I think it's because you're used to seeing him being Happy Gilmore, and it's like, oh, when he does something serious, you're like, he can That's act. Quite, this guy can uh, act. Yeah, this guy can act. <laughs> yeah. And maybe it's because, like, these dramatic actors, we, we know that they can't do comedy. 
Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis will never make me laugh. <laughs> like, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. But, like, like Adam Sandler and Robin Williams, like, they're, like, the funniest guys on earth. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, you put them in a dramatic role, and it's like, oh, man, these guys have got chops. Yeah. Holy hell. Right. On the uh, on the topic of how would you do it differently, K-Dog, you, you said you, you didn't like something well, straight I, away. No, um, I would, well, like what you said, get rid of Harvey Weinstein's name off the, off the producing um, line. Um, I would probably get rid of some of the inappropriate sexual harassment jokes throughout the film that I played off like <laughs> it's a joke, like jokes. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can't do that um, anymore. That, <laughs> that would probably help with, um, you know, Matt Sky's, my relationship with the Matt Sky. Make him a bit more likable. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I, I just want to give Will some more, more flaws to be honest he's too perfect he's too like perfect. i wouldn't be surprised he wouldn't be surprised if he like flew at the end like neo at the end of the matrix like <laughs> oh don't get us started <laughs> don't, don't get us started with that it's awful <laughs> the end of the matrix is awful oh man <laughs> that's the, it just that's kind that, of fly the end away of the in the distance is that me and rob have, have disagreed on more than anything else <laughs> i think the end of the matrix is like the best thing ever nah. No. Oh. <laughs> no, there was something else you said, K Dog, and we said we would by the end of it would come up with with a different way to do it. I don't remember what oh, it was. His backstory, his um his predictor yeah, is cliched is cliched. He's an orphan, he got beat up by his dad. Thing. Yeah, so how would you do that differently? Oh, I don't know. No, I, no, I didn't win an Oscar for screenwriting, did I? So maybe I'm wrong. I mean, <laughs> should he get abused even more in his life? Like, should he have like had yeah, like, a leg cut? How, how do you just just want him beaten up even more? Is that what it is? Is he not? Has he not been through enough, K Dog? Is that your problem? Um, I don't. Do you think it's because we've we've watched films where people have went through, we've they've went through that a lot, and at this point, it is like totally cliche. That was it in 97 maybe not so much i don't know it's just it's a very predictable film like all the beats are very predictable which is not a bad thing i'm just saying that sometimes means it's quite cliched with those types of those those moments um yeah but if that's what they were going for then great but if you want to make a unique film then you know don't make rocky with mats <laughs> <laughs> i mean some of the other films that, that were out that year in terms of uh, the Oscars we'll just get it up no 97 so Ooh. Titanic um, LA Confidential um, you've got The Full Monty which got nominated for best uh, he got nominated for best uh, director oh, do you think we should do that on the on the pod yeah, yeah that'd be cool that'd be cool I haven't seen The Full Monty in so long um, so you know you, it was up against some it was a pretty good year again for films uh, obviously Titanic ran away with pretty much everything uh, but this, this uh, I think definitely holds up to that in in that year, um, in terms of like over Oscar wins as well. Um, the mid nineties had some hits, like didn't it? Yeah, some good ones. Like you've got you've got like the the nominations of ninety four, like like Jurassic Park and Toy Story and all these ones, Forrest Gump, and then like you get in ninety seven, you've got Goodwill Hunting competing with Titanic. Yeah, which is. Crazy. Imagine it, you know, you, you put your film out that year and you're just like, oh man, Titanic's just gonna win everything. <laughs> you know Damn. and it didn't quite. It didn't, but um it's 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 good to see because obviously this was their first film essentially they'd been acting for a while, uh, Matt Damon and, and um who's the other guy? Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Uh Batman. Uh you know, so it's 
Batfleck. Yeah, but I'm, 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 I just Robin Williams. Like, it's he's just like it says amazing in this. So, um, Hazard aged. Yeah, he is. I know we've we've kind of touched on this, but it has a little in terms of the haircuts. I, I think I think uh, yeah, in most elements it has. Uh, like you know, Skarsgård being a, a borderline sex pest. Uh, pe- people in credits that we no longer choose to believe exist anymore. Um, and then that nineties haircut, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's a beautiful do. I do hope it comes what back. What a lid. Yeah, uh, that'd be cool. Be funny to see. Probably well, the 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 nineties re revolution is coming. Yeah, it isn't definitely. It? So. Is, so. I think we'll see it again. Yeah. Um, another question we always ask, uh, my favourite question, we've touched on the Matrix a little bit here, but is this in the Matrix? <laughs> no, if he did fly off at the end, it would be. <laughs> um, I've got I've got how it could be, right? So I reckon, do you not reckon that, um, so let me think of this. So, you know, I think Will Hunt has woke up, he realised that it's all a simulation. He's, he's kind of, you know, I've just learned Kung Fu kind of everything <laughs> it's like <laughs> I've learned maths yeah, exactly no I think because he's so intelligent and he knows everything like in terms of like about maths and structure about that he is one of the early creators of the the robots that they create before the Matrix uh, before the <laughs> before like the robots take over he is one of like he's in the think tank of like how can we like save the world and he's he's like caused the problem of like the matrix then being taken over. Do that could know? be like an alternative ending, couldn't it? Mm-hmm. It's like oh I, yeah, just got a job, maths guy. It's, it's, I'm working for Cyberdyne Systems, yeah. and then it's like dun 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 dun. <laughs> oh <Terminator>. no, <laughs> <laughs> he invented Skynet. Oh no, is it in the Terminator? It is kind of, it is kind of like a Morpheus Neo relationship that Robin Williams and uh, Will Hunt have. Uh, in terms of you know the mentor, he's coming to him and saying, "I, don't know. I mean, if you go that route, it's like um, the Karate Kid and Mr Miyagi, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like or, or Ga- Gandalf, yeah. There's a few hairy mentors, du- isn't there? Dumbledore, the hairy mentor in the film. So, okay, let's um, let's wrap it up with some trivia, fun facts, and fan theories. I've got a couple, but if you've got any, you can go first. Yeah, I've just I've just got one, and unfortunately, it's uh, it's Mr. Weinstein's in it, and it's just the one about the script. So it's like they had this solid script, but they've wrote a uh, a sex scene between uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck sixty pages in to see if the studios would read it all the way through, and unfortunately, Weinstein was the only one that commented on it, saying this sex scene's a bit weird. Ah, but he didn't complain about any of the other weird material in it, did he? What a twat. Yeah, I had that one as well. And I wasn't going to bring it up because of his name, but uh, it's a good fact. <laughs> it's a good fact. You know, when he's um, talking about his wife and the little, like, uh, when Roman Williams was talking about his wife and the little, like, things that he, she used to do. And <laughs> farting in bed one. Yeah, that, that, that was just improvised by... Uh, uh, Ron Williams it was originally like she used to wake up and turn the alarm clock off but it didn't feel like that was working and the laughter from Matt Damon's is like real it's just Ron Williams like saying ah. that joke and it it feels really real in that scene yeah so. if you watch that scene as well just to add to that fact that the cameraman started laughing as yeah, well yeah yeah so the camera so you can see do you know when Matt, Matt Damon's laughing the camera's like literally yeah, like bobbing yeah. up and down which, which is <laughs> we, we've just shot a short film and um you know, there's in the background of some of the takes, you can just hear Rich laughing his head off. 
and there's one take in particular uh, where like because I was operating camera I'm laughing my head off and you can hear us just because I'm right next to the camera laughing and you can just see it shaking but luckily it kind of fits in with the take so I'd see where they're coming from um, I do have one more fact uh, does anybody have any more? because I'll end on this one nah, nah. I got no so more. how do you like the, them apples the origin of that uh, coming back to it it was originally uh based on in in world war one so when they were uh like loading the guns they, they were nicknamed toffee apples um so when they used to fire the mortars they used to pump them into obviously put them into the 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 whatever it was called the the way they used to fire them and just as they would fire them or when they're in the air they'd be like how do you like them apples uh, ah. based around, so like the mortar shells yeah, were called toffee, toffee apples. apples they would shoot the toffee apples at them yeah. and be like how would you like them apples yeah. so that was the origin so before before this so nice little, <laughs> that's cool. nice little history fact that's here. a good fact yeah. that is a good fact so um, would you watch this again oh yeah 100% it's a, good, it's a great film yeah no I'm not going to watch it again <laughs> no no no, never. I'm going to have to watch it again because I had to buy it on Amazon Prime, didn't I? Oh, no, it went off Netflix, didn't it? Cost me three quid. It, um, I'm going to have to watch it loads. I mean, it's been on Netflix since Netflix did DVDs. So It's mad. Like, we've talked about, like, oh, we'll do this at some point. And then the moment we do it, it's not on Netflix anymore. What a joke. Yeah. Should we leave it there, then? How many Goodwills would you give Goodwill Hunting? Out of five? Uh, nine out of ten. All right, it's out of five, but that's good. Um... <laughs> yeah it's solid isn't it I'm going to give it top marks four and a half out of five four and a half out of five yep um, yeah okay I'll say four and a half out of five yeah, as well yeah. same uh, here it's got, it's got a few few little gaps but it's four and a half apples all, out of it's five it's almost water type yeah how did you like them apples I like them a lot nice let's end it there <laughs> right so if you want to reach us you can email us at, at thefilmlook at gmail.com we're also on Twitter and Instagram at the Film Look. We've got a YouTube channel as well, actually. So we drop some filmmaker knowledge bombs. Uh, we used to do it every week, but since we're in self isolation and in the lockdown in the UK, it's been quite difficult. But that is youtubechannel.com forward slash the Film Look. Um, yeah, nice one, lads. And until next time, goodbye. See you. Goodbye. Bye. Good. Yeah, I was trying to find like a Goodwill Hunting like quote that was like them saying goodbye. Oh, good. man, it could have seen uh, gonna see about a girl. That's what he says in the note, man. <laughs>